Hello and welcome to the Last Push Podcast. On today's episodes, we are going to do um, a carryover, a carry on of the um, podcast that I did started last week. We looked at DNA, the genome, we looked at sexual and asexual reproduction, and we kind of went over the basics of that. Um, We also looked at meiosis, and I suggested that you guys do a comparison between mitosis and meiosis because mitosis is a paper one topic, but meiosis is a paper two topic, so there usually is some crossover. And it's a good idea really to kind of just know a little bit about both and know the differences as well as if there are any similarities, but mostly you're going to be focusing on the differences. So in today's podcast, we're going to continue off of that and we're going to look at genetic inheritance and specifically we're going to look at some inherited diseases. There are two that we're going to take a look at, polydactyly and cystic fibrosis. We're also going to take a look at sex determination and then start thinking about evolution and variation in terms of genetics. So what I suggest you do is you get yourself on BBC Bite Size just so you've got some background diagrams and pictures and things to look at and I'll try to let you know what would be some good Google images to take a look at as we go through this because with genetic inheritance there's a lot of diagrams. They're called genetic diagrams or punted squares and the more you have in front of you to look at as we go through the examples, um, the easier it will be for you to visualize it and to understand it. So genetic inheritance is what we're going to start off with. So grab yourself a pen, pencil, piece of paper, and let's get started. Okay, and welcome back. Hopefully that gave you enough time to get yourself situated and get everything that you're going to need. So with genetic inheritance, it really starts off with a lot of key scientific words. And if you don't understand the key terminology, then it's going to be really hard for you to kind of wrap your head around everything that we're going to go through. So there are a lot of words Um, that are not really familiar and they're words that you probably should do some background learning on. You might want to, after I tell you what they are, you might want to get a BBC Bite Size and kind of find them um, and just kind of go through because I'll give you a general overview of what they are and we did touch on them during the last podcast when we introduced this topic but it's a really good idea to have a good grasp on these topics um, before we start getting into the genetic diagrams and the probability and the examples with the disorders. So one of the first key terms that you're going to want to know is what is a gamete? And 
you've probably heard this word before. It might not be that unfamiliar for you. So hopefully you've kind of clocked it. A gamete is a sex cell. So it could be a human sex cell like a sperm or an egg, but it could also be when we're talking about plants. Um, So if we're talking about an egg, um, some pollen as well. So the gametes are the sex cells of the organism that we're talking about, of the individual. And usually there are male and female gametes. And when they fuse together, that's the process of fertilization. So that's your first keyword is gamete. Your second keyword is chromosome. And with chromosomes, try to think back to everything you've done with cells, with the nucleus, and you should hopefully remember that there are 23 pairs of chromosomes in the nucleus of a human, or 46 chromosomes total. We've got 23 chromosomes that come from our biological mom and 23 chromosomes that come from our biological dad. So we've got a total of 46 chromosomes. And if you want to pause and actually look at a diagram, you could look up what a chromatogram looks like. Um, So with your chromosomes, looking at that, you can get kind of a picture of all your little chromosomes. And then on top of that, knowing what a gene is, is also quite important because a gene is a small section of the chromosome. And a gene is what codes for certain characteristics. Um, And we're usually, when we're talking about genes, um, in this case, we're going to talk about characteristics, which are usually controlled by a single gene. So we're not going to make it much more complicated than that. You can if you go on and study A-level or genetics at university. But we're going to look at single genes. Um, for example, fur color in mice. Or we could also look at um, eye color in humans. Red-green color blindness, for example, is one. Um, and... Those are examples of when there's different forms of alleles. So if you've got different alleles, you're always going to have either a dominant allele or a recessive allele. And you could have a combination of two dominant alleles, or you could have a combination of two recessive alleles, or you could have one dominant allele and one recessive allele. And you hopefully will remember your teachers drawing letters on the board to represent these alleles. And most teachers usually explain it in terms of eye color. And a lot of teachers use a B to represent um, the allele or the color. So for example, two big Bs, two dominant B alleles is going to represent brown eyes. And If you've got one of those dominant alleles, you only need one of them to actually be able to see the brown eye trait. So you could have, for example, big B, big B, which are two dominant alleles, or you could have big B, little b, which is a dominant and a recessive allele. But because there's one dominant allele, you're still going to have brown eyes. 
And then if blue eyes is recessive, if it's a recessive trait, it means you need two little B alleles, two recessive alleles to get blue eyes showing up as the trait or the characteristic. Now, I know that BBC Bite Size specifically shows the example of eye color. So you might want to pause and you might want to listen back through that one more time or get on to BBC Bite Size and actually find the example where it shows the brown versus blue example of eye color with dominant and recessive alleles because dominant alleles are typically expressed um, and we've got a lot of dominant traits whereas with the recessive alleles you need both recessive alleles to actually get the characteristic so those are two other keywords dominant and recessive and when i'm talking about both alleles I can actually call it, for example, homozygous dominant. Homozygous dominant is when there are two dominant alleles. There's also homozygous recessive. And homozygous recessive is when there are two recessive alleles. And then heterozygous is when you have one dominant allele and one recessive allele. So you've got one dominant allele and one recessive allele to make a heterozygous combination. So when we're talking about dominant and recessive alleles, a dominant allele is always expressed, even if there's only one copy present. So you need one dominant allele. So for example, if you've got a big B, big B, or a homozygous dominant, the dominant trait will be expressed. And if you only have one dominant allele and one, hetero one recessive allele, it will be heterozygous, but you'll still have the dominant allele being expressed. And then you need two recessive alleles in order for the alle recessive allele characteristic to be expressed. Now this is really really hard concept to visualize so honestly if it doesn't make sense in words right now as we're going through this because it is a hard concept to visualize I really highly suggest that you do get some diagrams up to actually pause it and go back through it because this is quite a challenging topic and a lot of people find this really confusing. The last two words, we've got genotype and phenotype. Genotype means the genetic combination. It means the genes involved. So if I say that the genotype is big B, big B, those are the alleles that are representing the characteristic. Whereas if I'm talking about a phenotype, a phenotype is what you visually see. It's the trait, it's the characteristic. So for example, it is the blonde hair, it is the brown eyes, it's what you're actually seeing. So if I have the phenotype big B, big B, 
when I'm talking about the phenotype, I have to say that that phenotype is actually brown. The genotype is the big B, big B, and the phenotype is that they have got brown eyes. There's lots of different examples to look at, so please don't stop here. Actually, get on BBC Bites Eyes and take a look at a few of those examples because it's really important to kind of go through these definitions and understand them really, really well. Also, the YouTube channel Fuse School has got some really good videos on this if you need some extra visuals as well. So that's everything in terms of genetic inheritance. We get our genes, we inherit our genes from the gametes, from the sperm cell, from the egg cell. When they fuse together, we get half of our genetic information from our biological mother, half of our genetic information from our biological father. We get 23 chromosomes from mom, we get 23 chromosomes from dad. And with those chromosomes, the sections of the chromosomes are called the genes and they code for characteristics. And the different alleles will actually tell you and code for the genotype and the phenotype, what we physically see. Now, the next thing when we're talking about genetic inheritance is knowing that there are inherited genetic disorders. There are lots of them. Um, we've been able to map out, we've been able to study a lot of them. And in fact, the Human Genome Project has been finished now, so we can actually tell exactly where on the chromosome some of these genes and alleles are coding for inherited disorders. And that's why they do embryo screening um, ahead of time with IVF in vitro fertilization, also to make sure that the baby is going to be as healthy as possible and that the parents are informed of any disorders, any possible disorders. So when we're looking at inherited disorders, there is one um, that is a recessive disorder that we're going to take a look at and another which is a dominant disorder which we're going to take a look at. So, the first inherited disorder is called cystic fibrosis. And cystic fibrosis, or also in short form, can be called CF. It's an inherited disorder which affects cell membranes in your body. And what it does is it actually has overactive cells which will produce too much mucus. Um, and it will create too much mucus in your digestive system, in your lungs, in your trachea. So it's not a very pleasant disorder because you have to be on a lot of medication. You have to go through constant physical therapy to get rid of all that excess mucus. And it is something that we do not have a cure for yet. Netflix came out with uh, a really... Um, nice video that kind of shows cystic fibrosis from a teenager's point of view. Um, 
this year. It was called Two Meters Apart. I think that was the name of it. Um, quite interesting um, and kind of shows everything that people who are facing cystic fibrosis have to deal with on a daily basis. So with cystic fibrosis, it's a recessive disorder. So it means that you need two recessive alleles in order to actually be born with cystic fibrosis. So for example, you could have two healthy parents, but both parents are heterozygous. So they've got one dominant allele and one recessive allele. Now, if you actually draw this out in a genetic diagram, what you do is you think about, for example, mom. Mom is going to be big C, little c. That's heterozygous. That's her allele combination, her genotype, big C, little c. She's healthy. She doesn't have cystic fibrosis, but she is considered a carrier because she's a carrier for the recessive allele. And dad as well, if he is big C, little c, he is also heterozygous. He is also a carrier. He's perfectly healthy. He doesn't have cystic fibrosis, but he has one recessive allele. So both parents are healthy. And what you do is you think about the cross. And what you have to do is you draw out a square and inside your square you should have four boxes and at the top of your square you're going to have you have to separate out the alleles so you're going to have big c on top of the first column and little c on top of the second column that can represent mum's um, genotype mum's alleles which have been separated out big c little c and then along the side of your box with four squares in it, you are going to have on row one, big C, which represents dad's first dominant allele, and little c, which represents dad's second recessive allele. Now what you do is to get the probability or the percentage of the children, the possible percentages, is you have to fill in that square now. So you take the first big C from mom, put it down, and you carry the first big C from dad and you carry it over. So in your first box, you should have big C, big C. Two dominant alleles, homozygous dominant in that first box. Now, if we look at the second box over, we're going to have a big C from dad and a little C from mom. So that box should be heterozygous and should have a big C and a little C in it. A, one dominant allele and one recessive allele. Now, if you look at the last two squares in your potential possible children, you are going to carry a big C down from mom and a little c over from dad. So in that third box, you are going to have big C, little c, or heterozygous, chance of getting a carrier child. Now, the last and final box is going to actually get 
both recessive alleles, both little C's from mom and from dad. So in that last box, you're going to have two little C's, two recessive alleles. And because cystic fibrosis is a recessive disorder, that means that if you take a look at actually all your potential children genotypes, the first one is going to be big C, big C. The second and third one are going to be big C, little c, or heterozygous. But the last one is going to be homozygous recessive little c, little c. And this means that there is a 25% chance of having a child born with cystic fibrosis. There's also a 50% chance of having a child born as a carrier, so healthy, they don't have cystic fibrosis, but they are a carrier and could pass it on to their own children eventually. And you've also got a 25% chance of having a child which has a homozygous dominant combination, genetic combination or genotype. So that's kind of how you do a genetic cross. And if you want to look up all the different possible examples for cystic fibrosis, feel free to do that. The carrier cross, the big C, little c, crossed against big C, little c, is typically the one that you are going to be asked to explain because it's the only way that you will actually have a child born with cystic fibrosis. So that's cystic fibrosis. It's one of the main inherited disorders that you should be familiar with. Um, but all recessive disorders act the same way. So in order to get a recessive disorder, both parents need to be a carrier. And when both parents are a carrier, there's a 25% chance that the child will end up with the recessive disorder. That's the first one. Now, the second inherited disorder is called polydactyly. Poly means more than one. And when we're talking about dactyle or dextrous, we're usually talking about fingers and toes. So polydactyly is actually uh, an inherited disorder where you are born with extra fingers or toes, um, which is quite interesting. It's not a disorder that is necessarily extremely harmful or dangerous. Um, it's, it is one that is an inherited disorder, but I wouldn't say it's in the same class as cystic fibrosis because all you're doing is you're being born with extra fingers or toes, which you technically can have surgically removed. Some people don't choose to have them surgically removed. Um, in fact, actually, there was a really cool documentary on a family in South America, I believe it was, who... Um, polydactyly ran in their family because it is a dominant um, disorder. So a lot of the family members actually had these extra fingers and toes. And 
they use it to their advantage and they actually are quite musically talented and it helps them to be more skilled with playing a lot of musical instruments. So polydactyly, poly, more than one, dactyle, dactyly, extra fingers and toes. And it's caused by a dominant allele. So usually when it happens in within a family, it usually comes up more than once. Because for example, um, if a genetic mutation happens to cause it to pop up in a population, you're going to have big P, big P for polydactyly, or you could have big P, little p, heterozygous, which also gives you polydactyly. The only way to not have polydactyly, um, a child born with polydactyly, is for them to actually get the two recessive alleles, the two lowercase or small p's. So again, usually it's very similar to the idea of thinking about a cystic fibrosis cross. The only way you're going to get a child with polydactyly, sorry, without polydactyly, is if you've got two carrier parents. So it's a lot harder to get rid of polydactyly in your family once you actually have it because a lot of the times you're going to have a purely dominant genotype, big P, big P, crossed with a carrier, big P, little p, and all the children will still end up having polydactyly. Or the only way that you can actually get a child without polydactyly is to have two carrier parents, big P, little p, crossed with big P, little p. And the easiest thing to do with a lot of these crosses is to actually try every single possibility out so that you can't be tricked because it's a single gene um, characteristic that we're talking about. It's just a simple genetic diagram that has got four potential um, outcomes for the children. So you could do all of the crosses. You could do um, homozygous dominant big P, big P cross with homozygous dominant big P, big P. Obviously, you're going to get 100% big P's in all the children. Or you could end up doing a cross, which is homozygous dominant versus heterozygous. So big P, big P crossed with big P, little p. Um, or the opposite parent. So for example, big P, little p crossed with big P, big P. It's going to be the same outcome. And then the only other one that you could do is you could do big P, little p crossed with big P, little p. And we know through talking about cystic fibrosis, this gives us a 25% chance of having a child with who's not polydactyle, who doesn't have polydactyly. You could also have someone who has polydactyly and cross with someone who doesn't have polydactyly and that gives you a whole bunch of different options so you could have a homozygous dominant big p big p crossed with a homozygous recessive little p little p and this will give you a hundred percent children who are all carriers big p little p try it out do the cross um, i know i'm saying them quite quickly but 
go back, listen to them, write down all the potential options and actually try them out. And then the other cross that you could have, um, which is a quite an interesting one, is having a carrier parent, big P, little p, cross with someone who doesn't have polydactyly. So they're going to be little p, little p. So if you think about this one, um, draw out your genetic diagram. Think about it. You have to separate them out. So big P and little p at the top of your square and little p, little p along the side of your square. And with this one, you should get 50% of the children being born carriers who have polydactyly, but also 50% of the children potentially being born without polydactyly. Um, and this is just a genetic diagram which shows all the potentials every single time that um, a sperm and an egg cell fuse together. So it's the probability, it's the percentage of getting this um, every single time you're, you're having a child. Um, and it's, those are two different inherited disorders. So we've got cystic fibrosis, we've got polydactyly. They're both very, very different. Um, there's information and there's diagrams on BBC Bite Size. Um, so if you need some more information or some diagrams, check those out. And then the last part, really, when we're talking about um, genetics specifically, is knowing what determines the sex of a baby. So if the baby is born a boy or if the baby is born a girl. So when we talk about the sex, we always kind of think about, well, it's, it's going to be a 50% chance of being a boy and a 50% chance of being a girl. So it could be one or the other. And it's because we actually get um, a sex chromosome from our biological mother and a sex chromosome from our biological father. And if you're a female, the sex um, is going to show up as XX on the chromosome. And if you are a male, it's going to show up as XY. So what I suggest you do so you can actually just see this is do a genetic diagram, actually cross the XX against the XY. And you should see that half of your potential babies in that kind of answer square is going to be XX. And half of the potential babies um, could be XY, which is going to be male, which is going to show up in your answer key. If you need a visual, Google um, Google genetic diagram um, to determine sex. Um, you should be able to find something when you do that. If you um, just want to find it on BBC Bite Size, though, as well, it is most likely there. So you need to be able to do this genetic cross to actually show the sex inheritance. Um, in terms of it's a 50% chance of getting a male, it's a 50% chance of getting a female, or a one-to-one -one ratio. One male, one female. Half female, half male. Um, it's all kind of the same way of, ex of saying it. Um, we could do it in percentages or we could do it in ratios. So that is a huge section kind of on genetics and inheritance. Now, the last thing that we're going to talk about um, on this section 
is variation. Um, and it's just going to open it up because we're not going to go through everything. We're just going to start getting you thinking about it. So then in the next couple of days, we're going to go into a lot more detail with evolution and some more detail with selective breeding, genetic engineering, and all the evidence for evolution and fossils and extinction. So we're just going to briefly touch on the first really start of variation and evolution in your specification. So with variation, you need to know that variation basically just is the differences in characteristics in individuals within a population or within a species so for example the human species there's variation within the human species because we don't all look the exact same we've got different characteristics some of you have blue eyes some of you have brown eyes that's variation same thing applies for birds, fish, um, any type of animals, really, or plants. They've got different characteristics. And the genes are inherited. They're passed on. And basically, variation can also be caused by the genes, but it can also be caused by environmental factors as well. And what you really need to realize is that variation is a really, really good thing in terms of evolution and in terms of change over time. Because if every single person was the exact same and looked the exact same, we would really be a monoculture um, with no genetic diversity at all. And if there's no genetic diversity within a population and the environment changes, this is disastrous. If there's no genetic diversity at all, and for example, the environment changes to such an extreme that um, the variation, the actual characteristics we cannot adapt, we cannot survive. So that sometimes is seen through extinction when we've got global climate changes. So um, a really great example of this is with the Ice Age. Um, so a lot of species went extinct when, after the Ice Age when the planet started heating back up again because the species who went extinct, there wasn't enough genetic uh, variation, genetic diversity for a few of the the species within that population to be able to survive and reproduce and pass their genes onto the next generation. So unfortunately, they went extinct. So for example, the woolly mammoth, the saber-toothed tiger, those animals were not able to survive with the changing climate. This is still seen today, um, and a lot of times when we think about evolution and we think of variation in genetics, it's all linked together. So if you've got a population, you're going to have a population, and there'll be subtle differences between individuals within that population. Some of those subtle differences are going to actually help some of the individuals be better adapted for their environment that they're currently in 
However, some individuals will have characteristics that will make them better adapted if they move to a new environment or if the environment suddenly changes. Um, so you can look at this with migrating populations of birds, for example, um, and kind of see the changes. And Charles Darwin really did a lot of extensive research when he actually studied Galapagos Islands and the finches specifically in the Galapagos Islands because those islands are all so close together but they all have different mini environments that are slightly different and they've got a different food source on them that's slightly varied so he noticed that from island to island even if there was only a kilometer or two kilometers between the islands the finches um, who are living on the islands all were slightly different and it's because some of them were better adapted with certain characteristics than others depending on the actual environment that they were in. So in terms of variation, variation it is the differences in the characteristics if, of those individuals within a population. It's caused by genes. It's caused, it's caused by genetic material being passed down from grandparents, from parents, from different generations. It also depends on the environment as well. And it can be a combination of the genes. It can be a combination of the environment, which will cause the variation as well. And that's why identical twins might not over time actually be completely identical because of environmental changes. So that is another look and glimpse into this whole section, this whole second section um, of your biology paper two of inheritance, variation, evolution. And it's such a big topic and it's got a huge range of mini topics within it that I've really decided to spread it out so that you can get a glimpse of it over about a week's a week and a half's time. So we've gone through already sexual and asexual reproduction. We've looked at meiosis, we've looked at DNA and the genome and today we've looked at genetic inheritance and some of the key words with that. So gamete, chromosome, gene, allele, dominant, recessive, homozygous, heterozygous, and genotype, phenotype. And then we've taken a look at inherited disorders and we've specifically looked at cystic fibrosis and polydactyly and we finished kind of our genetics today with sex determination and also looking at variation so on the next podcast we'll really get into evolution and we'll look at selective breeding and how we um, have really taken on board selective breeding in food plants and domesticating animals We'll also take a look at genetic engineering, which is something that we as um, humans and scientists have really um, gone to a lot of lengths over the last hundred years, 
maybe not hundreds, but a hundred years. Um, and then we're really going to take a look at fossilization and extinction um, on the next podcast. So there's a lot of information in this section. It's all found in your revision guides. It's all found on BBC Bite Size. So I highly, highly suggest that you actually use that as well to your advantage because there's so much good information on those sites. So please do that and make sure that you actually attempt some of those genetic diagrams and you don't just listen to this. You actually are actively trying to learn and actually actively trying to improve so that's everything um for today's podcast and i'll release another one that goes into more detail on evolution shortly so have a great day get out there get intentional